Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. We're super excited this year. Um, I feel like this year has the potential. Can you say the word potential? To be the best ever. Okay. Um, but there's, there's criteria, there's things, there has to be a collaboration. You know, it can't be like, Hey, we want this to be the best year and I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. How many of you know, great things require a cost, right? Anything that we're going to reap a harvest, anything that's going to produce greatness in our lives requires something of us. We can't remain passive. We can't just remain idle. Uh, there is a time to pray, but there is a time to be proactive, Okay, we can pray our lives away, but if we don't activate our prayer through moving in those things that we feel God leading us to, directing us to, and we don't do something, what I've learned is God needs you to do just a little bit and he'll do a lot. Okay, you know, it's not just, Lord, you do everything. If you want me to go do that, you get me up out of my seat, you move me along. No, it requires a proactive approach. So we are in our second week of Vision 2024. The word for the year, I shared it last week, and we kind of did an intro leading into this uh, sermon today of leading your family. But the word that we communicated was expansion. Okay, the definition of expansion is to increase in size, in number, or importance. So we believe that God is going to expand our territory. He's going to expand in our life. And Proverbs 29, 18, it's important that it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. They cast off restraint. They are unrestrained. Uh, if we don't have any goals or we don't have clarity of vision or we can't see where we're going, how many of you know it's going to be hard for us to move forward? Most of the time when we can't see clearly, do you know what we do? We don't move at all. Right? If I were to say, hey, close your eyes. Don't open them and make your way back home. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to stay right here, Pastor. Because you know it's safe, right? We're, we're people that we're going to play it safe. We're going to be careful. But when we open our eyes and we can see, we can see what's coming. Not just where we're going, but we can see the attacks of the enemy. We can see all of these things. And we can accomplish that which God has put in our hearts. So without that clarity, without that focus, without that intentionality, it's gonna, that vision, it's going to be hard for us to move forward. So to move forward, to have the best year ever, we have to accept the past. We have to assess your sight. We had a t- typo, first service, if you saw that, great job on your your vocabulary. They caught it. They changed the second service. But we, ha- we want to assess your sight. And then we want to ask God for more. That was kind of the message last week. If you missed it, check out the podcast. But those are the three things that we have to do before we go forward um, so that we can have the best year ever. So we're going to ask God to expand in our families, in our communities, and in our world. You know, we see the, the prayer of Jabez. We covered that story, you know, kind of as the nuts and bolts of the message last week. But he asked God for more. He said, Lord, expand my territory. Lord, bless me. Help me. Help no harm or help none of these bad things come my way. And the best part of that whole passage is at the end of that passage, it says, and God granted him his request. Now, how, how many of you know if we're not requesting anything, there's no granted requests, Right? Uh, my children are, are, are guilty of always asking for things. Anybody ever got a kid like that or you were that kid? Worst case, your parents tell you no. What if? He says yes. You know, so it's better to ask those things and especially those things that we know are in the heart of God and the things that we feel God leading for. But I tell you, this year, God wants to bless our families. He wants to bless our communities and he wants to bless the world. And I would say that's the reason he, that was his focal point on the cross. Was to, was to love and to, and to help in every single one of those areas. Okay, so we're going to ask God for expansion in our families. We're going to ask God for our expansion in our communities and in our world. So the expansion is going to happen practically, though, by leading our families, serving our community, and changing our world. Notice each of those three words, leading, serving, and changing, require action. Right? It's not just going to happen by accident, but it's going to, it's going to happen by proactively doing something, praying, praying something, and then doing something with that prayer. But all three of these will require work to be accomplished. And then the other side of the coin is that all three of these primarily are going to happen outside the four walls of the church. Right? It's not about getting here and saying, all right, I'm going to lead my family. I'm at church now. The biggest testimony is what do you do when you leave the church? What happens when you're outside the four walls of the church? What do you do when you go to the restaurant 
and the waiter completely messes up your meal. What are you going to model, right? You're like, are you going to be gracious? Are you going to be compassionate? Are you going to be kind? Because, you know, you're leading your family, right? And how many of you know that your children are a by, will be a byproduct of what you do, not what you say? So it's important to model the right things. And, you know, now we can explain them. Hey, son, they really messed it up. Let me tell you, my flesh wants to do A, B, and C. But God says A, B, and C, right? We, we kind of, you know, we, how many, because, you know, the, the, the fruit, one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control and patience and all of those things working in our lives, right? But how many of you know when we respond, there's always two responses. We have that initial flesh response that wants to respond in a not-so-godly-centered way. And then we have the Spirit of God that's always going to lead us towards a different response, right? So what we do, what we say, what we model, our, our families, our children, everybody's watching. You know what I've learned being a Christian long enough? Man, you can do everything right, but the world waits for you to mess up. Man, and I'm just like, man, like I got I hit the ball 99 times. I strike, I missed it once. And you're going to point out that once. So just, it's important, you know, that we, that we hit the mark more often than not. Now we understand Christian walk is not about perfection, but it's about progress, right? You're like, man, I'm hitting the ball real good. You should have seen how I used to hit the ball, right? I was always losing my stuff, getting frustrated, getting irritated, uh, responding in a way that wasn't God honoring, you know. Um, but all, all of these areas, it's important. So we're going to look at a passage from Joshua to help us get some guidance into leading your family. Now, I, I really picked these words very specifically, leading your family. You know, we did, a, we did a sermon a while back where I said, your family's your problem. Suck it up and take ownership of it. Like we can complain and say, well, Lord, why in the world? I don't know, but he knew, Okay. He's put you there as a catalyst to lead. It was intentional. It wasn't by accident. And there is great potential when we take ownership, we take responsibility, we begin to pray over our families, and then we lead in a radical way to begin to change our families, to lead our families in a way that causes our families, hopefully, to be Christ-centered, to be led into a relationship with Christ. How many of you this morning have family members that don't have a relationship with Jesus? So I say to my whole family's one, there's work to be done. You know, my children and my children's children. And then, you know, if you wait long enough and you got grandkids you're working on and you're believing that they're going to be led in the same way. And, you know, it's always an interesting dynamic um, with the in-laws and my parents, like of how much they will do or not do for my children. Like it's a delicate balance, right? They don't want to overstep. They don't want to understep. They're letting us lead. And, but ultimately, it's a complete collaboration, it doesn't matter if you're a parent or you're a grandparent or you are a great-grandparent. We all have responsibility for our families. Now, the nuts and bolts of this message is it doesn't matter who's leading, start leading. And there's a lot of statistics. You know, I was talking to a lady this last week, and she just said, well, there's a lot of statistics. And, you know, everybody always preaches, well, if the man would start leading, the family would be changed. What happens when the man doesn't lead? What happens when the man is absent? Somebody's got to lead, right? We can't sit there forever and wait on the man. Now, man of God, you need to step up, get, get in gear, and start moving. Because what's about to happen today and in this moment, if you have not led, your wife is going to get in deep in her soul and in her bones this morning to start leading with or without you. And all the women said, amen. And all the men said, whoa, whoa. Right? They're going to start leading without you. They've been waiting on you. You are God's ultimate plan to lead your families. You can take that responsibility or you can forsake that responsibility, but nonetheless, it's your responsibility. But the women and the families are at stake and they're tired of that complacency. So the commission today is that if they're not gonna lead, you need to start leading. The time of passivity is over. Now, hopefully they'll say, oh man, I gotta get with it. And I'll just be 100% honest. There are times that my wife leads my family better than me. But guess what? That's a catalyst to get with it and be like, oh, I better learn this stuff. Because I'm not exempt just because she's leading. Oh, now I don't have to. What works best is when we are both collaborating to lead our families together because there's different things that I can instill in my children that she can't. But guess what? On the other side, there's things that she can instill, this motherly kindness rather than this law and wrath and rod that I'm going to, the correction, it's just different. You know, I know with our youngest one, you know, uh, Man, I'm sorry. My kids are a lot of, hopefully they'll forgive me one day if they ever listen back to these. But, you know, we were, we were you know, my, 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 I have my older son and then my middle daughter and we have our little one. Well, our little one, how many of you know the little one thinks they can get away with everything sometimes? 
and they will weasel and they will whine. If they cry, even both brother and sister, oh, oh, oh let me help you. It's like, I'm kind of, suck it up, buttercup. You want to play with the big kids? You get hurt and it's not broke or bleeding. Suck it up. You know, um, there's a lot of, you know, my wife and I, I'm not going to tell you what all of those are, but, you know, there's certain things that we agree to spank with, reasons we spank and reasons we don't spank. But, man, I tell you what, I spank for a lot of reasons. I said, I got whooped so much and it didn't hurt me. If anything, it helped me. But, you know, we, we have to make sure that we are doing what it takes and not compromising because we're worried about, you know, I, I mean, I know there's emotional stuff that happens, you know, because we're emotional people. But, you know, I understand that there is also a spirit at stake. There is life and death and, you know, rebellion or small compromises can lead to more rebellion. And I'm not going to tolerate it. I'm not going to allow it. Well, she just, she doesn't know how to handle it or she's just, she's, she's just like me. And I said, I know that's why you're catering to that, but she's not like me. So we're going to do this and this and this. The world's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. And the enemy will use that to destroy her, destroy her if she doesn't learn how to deal with that. To deal with those emotions and pray and understand what is right and what's wrong. We can't justify and compromise it because like, well, they don't understand and they're emotional and they're just not. They have to learn. When you're losing your crap is when you need to learn how to control things. Right, it's not when everything's good. Like, that's what I realized. When I'm frustrated and I'm mad, it's like, that's when I'm going to say something dumb. When I'm perfectly composed and everything's good, man, graceful and loving. But when I'm mad or I get my feelings hurt or my man pride button has been pushed, that's when everything changes, right? So in, in growing and learning that, you know, even at a young age, accountability for actions and discipline and different balances. But what I, to, to say that there's challenges and we don't always know what to do, but you know what? It's better to do something than to do nothing. Amen. Well, I don't know what to do with this kid. Well, you better figure it out because last I checked, you're their parents. Or you've been the one left in charge. Or you're the only one in the equation that has the opportunity. Well, what if, I wish I had a man that would help me. You, the man ain't there. Do something. Well, my wife isn't doing the stuff that she Suck it up, buttercup. Man, lead. There's going to be times in marriage and in life where we each have to pull different loads, Right? And there's been times my wife has done a lot, then I feel like there's times that I do a lot. Ultimately, probably she's doing more, if I want to be real, in, in, in the realm of, of children, so like raising our kids. And she's, she was with them a lot more, and I was working and different things like that. But I have to learn because they're part of my responsibility. Right? And we, really, we have to also realize that it's not just going to be our children, but it could be other people's children that God trusts us with. You know, there can be spiritual sons and spiritual daughters and other relationships that God expands us to where we're also leading, right? It's not when your kids leave your house, all right, thank God I'm done. I get a break now. Like we continue to lead our families because when we look at it, it's not just our family, but we need to see our extended family as the family of God. Where I don't just want to see my family thriving, but your family sacrificing and not getting what it needs. And how do we, how do we, meet, how do we meet the gaps in our broken homes? We allow the church to be the church and the men of God and the, the, men, the, the women of faith to, to all rise up and all do their part. There's tons of passages that give us instruction, you know, that the older women would train the younger women how to act, what's appropriate, what's acceptable, and um, guiding them into all righteousness. And then, the, you know, the man of God should be teaching the younger men how it is, what, what it means to be hospitable and kind and a, a, a man of prayer and all, all of these things. You know, this is not something that is just caught. This is something that has to be intentionally taught. My son turned 13 this year. Uh, I told him, when you turn 13, it's game over for you. I'm not going to ask you if you want to learn things. I'm going to show you things on purpose. So yesterday, he made, I made him change the wiper blades on my truck. I'm going out of town this week. I said, do you know how to turn off the water of the house? He goes, no. Like faucet? No. Let me show you. Come here. So we walked to the back. I showed him how to cut it off. Like there's no, it's no longer optional. It's necessary, right? Well, if we know that there is a concern coming, how many of you know the freeze might be coming? So being able to turn off the water, how many of you know that could be critical because mom and dad are going to be out of town. So when there is an urgency coming or there is an important time coming, we have to make sure that our families are well trained and equipped and understand what they need to do or don't do to survive it. Now, that's a practical example, but there's a lot of spiritual examples. We need to know how to pray. We need to know scriptures. We need to be in our word. We need to stand for what's right. We need to know what's right and wrong. Like there's so many things, okay? So let's look at this passage from Joshua 24, 14 through 28. 
going to read this whole passage for you. You've probably heard some of it. Joshua 24, 14 through 28 and verse 14. It says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord and serve other gods. It was the Lord God himself who brought us and our parents out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our, on our entire journey and among all the nations throughout which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites, whom we lived. And then the response is, we too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Joshua is hard, man. He's a, he's a tough dude. He says, Joshua says to people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He's a holy God. He is, he is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. Verse 21, but the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord, our God, and obey him. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people and there at Shechem, uh, he affirmed for, for them a decree and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he, gave a, then he took a large stone and he set it up under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. See, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all that the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. Then Joshua would dismiss the people each to their own inheritance. Now, don't get all messed up with that stone thing. It was just a remi something to remind them of the covenant they made to the Lord. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But when we look at this passage this morning, I'm going to give you six things to consider when leading your family. And we're going to use this passage kind of as the map for those things that he gives us. But number one is that we must all each individually accept and consider the challenge. Now, Joshua challenged the people, you know, he even said, no, you can't do it because, you know, you're sinful and you're rebellious. And, you know, if you turn from God, it is going to end really bad for you. Like, it's okay to, you know, a lot of us make a decision here, but we don't live it out there. It's easy, right? Now. Yes, pastor, I'm going to do it. What happens on Monday? Well, Lord Jesus, help me. Like, you know, my coworker, you just, you know, you understand. And we compromise it. We have to make an com unwavering commitment, not just here so that we look good, but before the Lord and remember that covenant we have made. So number one, he challenges the people. He says, you know, he accepts, he, he, he wants them to accept the challenge. He says, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. This is, this is the challenge. Fear the Lord and accept him with all faithfulness. Don't worry about what others are doing, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What's, what, where are you leading your family? What, what is your position today? You know, um, I always think it's funny, like, you know, when you're kind of, if you ever watch a movie, and I'm sure it's like this in the church, like when, when you're like, hey, who's going to do it? Who's for me? Who's, you know, it takes the first person to stand to their feet before everybody stands up. You ever notice that? And what are we guilty of? We're like this. We're looking for the first dummy to stand up usually, right? That's what it feels like. But will we get so made up in our spirit that we will make a boast and a declaration to the Lord saying, like he said, for me and my family, that you'll make up your mind that already you're chomping the bit. Say, man, tell me what the challenge is. I'm for it. Let me know what I need to do. I'm going to do it. I ain't worrying about my husband. I ain't worrying about my wife. And understand this today. It's not about your husband. It's not about your wife, child. It's not about your parents. It's about each of you as an individual this morning. Children, if your parents aren't leading you, you can still grow in your relationship with the Lord. I'm sorry it's hard and it doesn't seem that fair, but God is still on your side. He still has great things. Even as a child, you can begin to lead your family to God. Nobody is excused. Okay, so will you accept that challenge? It says, throw away all gods that your ancestors worship. So there has to be a purging of trusting in yourself. There has to be a purging of trusting in your riches or anyone else or anything else besides Jesus. 
Like you got to really acknowledge, like if there has been something that you've succeeded in, it's because of the grace of God that he gave you the smartness not to mess it up. Don't look at your own selfish, arrogant pride and be like, wow, look what I did. There's a scripture for that. It says, him that humbles himself before the Lord will be exalted, but him that exalts himself, he will fall unless the rock fall on him. God can't do a lot with a, with a prideful heart, but he can do a lot with a humble heart. So there has to be, some, you have to be kind of vulnerable and open this morning and say, Lord, man, uh, am I going to do it? Am I not going to do it? If you're not going to do it, don't say you're going to do it. God knows your heart. Don't just accept the challenge to look good because you're like, well, I brought my girlfriend with me today. I got to look like I'm the spiritual. Don't do that. Because time will prove that's not going to happen. If you don't make up in your mind to lead boldly and courageously, man of God, woman of God, child of God, it doesn't matter. Are you going to accept the challenge to forsake all of these things, a purging of the trust in yourself? And are you going to choose to serve the Lord? So number one, there was a challenge. Number two, there was a choice. There was a choice that had to be made. Like it was like, hmm, I'm just going to come back. I ain't going to decide right now. No, there was a choice that had to be made. You know, there was, you have to accept the challenge. You have to commit to lead, or you can just leave unchanged, uncommitted, and it's of no gain to you. And potentially, you could have the worst year ever. Like, that's the problem. If we don't do anything and we shrink back, that's a catalyst for the worst year ever. But what if we completely change? What if we change our mind and we start leading in a capacity that God has enabled us to lead? You know what? All you got to do is what God is leading you to do in the moment. You don't have to have the whole roadmap and figure it all out. God says he gives all wisdom to those who ask. If you don't know what you're doing, just say, Lord. You know, do we forget God knows everything? You don't have to pray just when you're in a bind. You can pray about things you don't know. You know, God gives you uh, natural wisdom sometimes. I remember praying about something. I was like, Lord, how do I grow in this? Lord, will you show me and, and teach me all these things? And you know what he said? He said, read a book, dummy. <laughs> There's so many resources to grow in areas that we have no clue about. That could be for men. That can be for women. That can be for children. It doesn't matter. There are so many endless resources. We don't have to reinvent the wheel, but we need to know where we're lacking and we need to focus on that area so we're not lacking anymore. That that can be an area of, of continual growing in strength, not a, you know, working in so much weakness in that area that it cripples our progress, right? So we have to make a choice to commit to, 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 to um, a choosing to follow. So understand this. You can't lead your family well if God is not leading you. You can't. You can just fake it and you can, you, can talk, you can talk to psychologists and get facts and statistics and know what to do and what not to do. But I'm going to tell you, you cannot lead your family well if God is not leading you. Because ultimately, you're just saying, well, I hope this is the right direction. Looks good to me. Rut row, you go the wrong way, you mess something up. And, you know, you're, you're kind of like the blind leading the blind. You're trying to lead your child to something you can't see. Because the ultimate goal is that we would lead them to Jesus and we would lead them to Christ. But if we don't have that relationship intact and we aren't growing in our relationship, how can we help others grow in that relationship? What's the answer? We can't. Right? So we can't lead your family. We can't lead our families well if God is not leading us. So the question is, who will you serve? That's what he asked. Who will you serve? Will you serve popularity? Will you serve the culture? Will you serve being accepted by others? Will you serve by making sure you look good in everybody's perspective? Or will you serve according to God's standards and uncompromise the, 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 the challenges of culture? I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. But culture is dividing the Christian perspective. And it's making the Christian perspective a lot clearer because culture is getting so crazy. You know, at first it was kind of like, man, that's, that's tough. I mean, like Christian culture, culture, Christian, they were kind of close. But there is a dividing line now. Like, if you're confused and you're just following culture, it is because maybe you are not Christ-centered or you're not reading the Bible enough. Because to me, I'm like, man, light bulb on. It's very clear. How do I know if it's a, it's, if it's a godly-centered culture or it's a world-centered culture? The moment someone says, well, I think. Really? Versus the Bible says, or this is what God thinks. Because it's pushing towards a Christ-centered culture, it's pushing towards a world-centered culture, okay? So we got to understand that. But we have to make a choice. we we got to ask the question, who are we going to serve? But what are you going to do? So the challenge is, what are you going to do, bro? You going to step up today or are you going to wuss out? You going to do it or are you just going to talk about it? 
Right? How many of you know we got a lot of talk, not a lot of action? Well, here's what I'm going to do this year. Well, you done it? Well, you know. You know, statistically, all uh, New Year's resolutions fell by January. Don't bank on that, right? Don't do that. Like, have some progress this year, right? Have a goal. Step up. Do what you need to do, man of God, woman of God, child of God. What are you going to do? The challenge is you. The, the choice is up to you. What are you going to do? Um, have the mentality. Step up or get out of the way because I'm moving forward. Don't wait. Get out of my way, big boy. You ain't, you ain't going fast enough. Anybody ever follow somebody and you got a long road trip and they will not get out of your way? Passing lane, baby. As long as you got that dotted line, tell my kids, dotted line, you can pass. Solid line, you can't. Yeah, going around it. Dad, it turns solid. Oh, it's all right, baby. I'm getting back in the right lane, right? <laughs> Don't wait for the person slowing you up because you are underutilizing your potential. Get in that passing lane, go around of them, and move on, okay? Step up or get out of the way. Leadership is not knowing everything that you, know, that you need to know at the moment, but it's, it's about influencing your, your family in a way with what you know in that moment. Model a great relationship with God, okay? Um, don't base it on what your parents did or didn't do. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. Well, I grew up in a home. Can't change that. But you can change. You can make a choice. And you can change your family now. You can live with that excuse or you can, lose that as a ch you can use that as a challenge to change the destiny of your family. Like forever, forever. Where you're now, you're now the parents that say, man, my parents were awesome. Here's what they taught me. Versus like, my parents didn't know nothing, right? I grew up in the church, but we didn't do nothing. Like we didn't, we didn't pray or they didn't show me how to read the Bible. Like all I learned, all, all I learned about God was at church. We got to change that. Am I stepping on some toes? Hope you wore your steel toe boots today, okay? Like it's not my responsibility to train and equip your children in everything they know. The church is going to collaborate with you, but it's more your responsibility than it is my responsibility. Amen. Why, pastor? Because you're hearing this message today. And what are you going to do with it? You're going to walk away and be like, oh, man, that was hard. I'm, I'm hopefully he talks about something different next week. Don't do that. <laughs> Figure out how to lead your family. Make that choice to, to lead. All right. Choose for yourself. Number three, there was a cost. Okay, there was all, there's always a cost in following Christ. I think that was one of the things growing up that I never realized. You know, I remember as a child asking my mom, why do we even have to live this life? Why can't we just go be with, be with Jesus now? Why do we have to wait? Wouldn't it be way easier and way better? Like, what are we doing? And then I grew up and I was like, ooh, it's harder to live for God than I thought. There's sacrifice and there's, you know, there's certain areas that we can't compromise and, um, I thought it was crazy when I was growing up. No, it's really crazy now. It's getting worse and worse and worse. But we know that the Bible says, you know, when he comes in the end, it's going to be bad. It's not going to be good. Right? But there's, there's a cost. But what do they say in that passage? They say, far be it. So this is a disclaimer stating that it should not come to pass in our life, that, that it would be unthinkable, that it would never happen, that I would never do a certain thing. That's what the word far be it means. But they responded in that. They said, far be it that we would ever neglect, that we would ever walk away, that we are choosing this day. They were assessing the cost. Okay, so understand that, that the weighty decision of leading your family, um, it's on you. If you commit to do it, commit to do it. If you're in this place of complacency, wrap your mind around it. You know, I think, you know, it's better to say I'm not going to lead my family than to say I'm going to lead my family and not. Right, because that will ruin your credibility with your kid. Like, if you tell them you're going to do something and you don't do it. My kids busted me up about something the other day. They said, they said, Dad, you didn't do this. I said, no, or no, who was, oh, I know what it was. It wasn't my kids, it was Christina, our new youth leader, right? She says, hey, I need goals by Wednesday for all my team, and I'm part of that team right now. I said, I'm not giving you my goals by Wednesday. I'm going to focus on them on this week when I go to Tennessee. We show up at the meeting. Hey, where's your goals? She looks at me. She says, hey, where's your goals? I said, I told you no. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, you're right. And then we were done with that. But if I would have told her I was going to do it and didn't do it, how many of you know that that's more costly than just saying I'm not going to do that or I am going to do that? Let's be a people that do what we say we're going to do. Okay? It's important. She was like, oh, yeah, that's right. You didn't tell me you were going to do that. I thought you did, but you didn't. I wanted you to, but you didn't. 
Make up your mind what you're going to do. If you say you're going to do it, do it. If you're not going to do it, be real with yourself and say, hey, Pastor, I'm going to pray about it. I'm working on it. But, you know, evaluating the cost, okay? So this means when we talk about the cost, you know, of the decision of leading our family, this is making a commitment of doing what is honorable, doing what is right, doing what is necessary to lead our families in the way that leads them to Christ at all cost. You know, so I'll tell you what, we can fool the world, but it's hard to fool your family. Like they're going to see the real you. Me and Becky were getting into it a little bit yesterday, just kind of arguing back and forth. And like, I always wonder what my kids think, because we don't get loud or we don't get mad that often, but like every now and then, like, we're having a come to Jesus moment. That's what I'm going to call it, okay? Uh, where, you know, she gets frustrated. I get frustrated. Well, you don't understand. I don't understand. Ah, you know, and it's just, it, you know, you ever been there? If not, you ain't been married long enough, okay? Just saying. Um, but we are modeling what it is and, you know, and, you know, we don't stay in that position, in that posture, but it's modeling and, and, and teaching what is right. But um, we have to make a, we have to assess the cost, okay? Um, and how would, I, how, would you, how would you realize that for your own life? Is your relationship with Jesus evident to your family? I'm not talking about do you go to church every weekend. Is your relationship with Jesus evident to your family? So leading is setting the pace. It's, it's leading the way. So um, I am, like I said, going to continue to challenge, you know, whole households to take the challenge to begin to lead your family. So understand this. Children, you're not too young to worship the Lord. You're not too young to read your Bible, and you're not too young to do what the Bible instructs. You know, uh, it's one thing, I think, as a child to, I think your whole life, you're kind of a byproduct of what your parents told you to do or not told you to do. And how many of you ever had the statement said to you, because I said so? That's when you're tired of it and you're just fed up and you say, because I said so. What would happen if instead of saying, because I said so, if we started saying, because this is what the Bible says to do. So now it's a whole nother level of depth to it. It's a whole lot more personal because it's not because I said so, but because God said so. But guess what? Your children, as they begin to read the word, they're going to know what's expected of you. That's the scary part. When they read it for themselves, say, hey, mom, I thought right here it says to be kind. Love is patient. <laughs> quick to forgive. Quit reading that Bible. Like you get frustrated. Right? It's like, but we start reading it. Love is patient. Love is kind, you know, e e you know, easily tempered all, you know, and they start saying, Hey, well, mom, according to the scripture right here, you know, but how many of you know that can be a catalyst to grow? <laughs> you might get mad because your pride button got hit, but it, inevitably it doesn't matter. You know, man of God, daughter of God, child of God, lead your family, assess the cost and then go forward. Um, John 14, 15, it says, if you love me, keep my commands. So we'll show our love for God by following his commands and his instructions. Matthew 16, 24 through 26, Jesus said this to his disciples, whoever wants to be my, my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone gain in exchange for their soul? Okay, so it was God, what, is, what did that passage say that we looked at in its entirety? It was God who rescued us from our captivity. So we have to acknowledge what God has done, not just rescuing me, but rescuing my family. Um, he, he removed us from a, a position of slavery. You know, he performed great signs and wonders. He protected us on our journey all along the way. And he's fought our battles for us. We have to, when we're counting the cost, we have to understand how God has been with us thus far. Why would he not continually be faithful in the future? But it's conditional, right? Like we have to respond. We have to, we have to see and learn and grow and, and, and respond to what it is that God wants us to see. Do you understand that there was a promised land promised, but because the people of God did not get it, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years when it was like a week journey. What in the world and do you realize it says that the parents didn't even get to see the promised land, but the children did? I don't know what changed in that generation. But something changed. Because if the children wouldn't have got it, they wouldn't have entered the promised land either. Man, I'll tell you what, it's such a, more of a blessing for all of us to go. 
I want to go with my kids. I want to go with my family. So will I commit to that? Will I assess the cost? So we have, we have a challenge. We have a choice. We have a cost. And then we have a call, okay? Um, what is always the call of God? Come and follow me. Come and follow me how? By, by a command, by an instruction. You know, um, you can't follow Jesus and stay where you're at. You know, I've had a lot of conversations with people who have just given their life to the Lord. I said, it's not about just making a choice or believing. It's about stepping it out and walking, being a follower of God. Many, many people believe in Jesus, but how many people are following him? Following him? You know, Jesus never said, believe in me, great, stay there, cool, high five, see you later. He said, now follow me. It's proactive. It's moving forward. So we have to, we have, uh, the commission or the call, it, it's to come, it's to follow um, in response to what we know. So faith applied is active, not passive, okay? Following Jesus requires you to abandon and forsake your past life. Don't go back. You know, it's, it's like they say, it's like a dog returning to vomit. How many of you know that grosses everybody out? Yeah, you went back to that? That's what it's like when the believer goes back to his sinful nature. We, that, not, that ought not be so, that we should go forward and we should never want to return. Because there are better things to feast on that will forever change your life. We have to move forward. We have to keep following. We have to abandon those things. Following Jesus requires you to abandon and forsake the past. Leave the trash behind. Leave the trash behind. You really look at it, it's trash. You know, how many of you have a hard time throwing things away? Oh, I'll keep that because one day, some stuff, right? You're like, man. And then you throw it away and you kind of look in the trash can. <laughs> Did y'all take the trash out yet? And you're kind of still looking at it. If that thing's all the way in the dumpster and out by the road, leave it there. Like you go out that far running back out and grab it out of there, you, man, leave it alone, right? Just leave the trash behind. But in Philippians 3, 7 through 9, this is what Paul said. He says, I consider it all lost for the sake of following Christ. Verse 7, it says, but, but, whoever, uh, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I, might, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on a basis of faith. So a whole new perspective. He was going to leave it behind. He was going to move forward. So the commission is to follow, not achieve perfection. God's not saying be perfect, right? You know, I think that's the, that's the judgmental part of the church. Like, as soon as we become a Christian, we expect people to be perfect. Hey, that was never my goal. That was never even achievable. Thank God that, you know, he didn't expect that. But he does, does want progress. He wants us moving forward. So um, understand this, that as we follow God there, and we're obedient to God, there is a blessing that, that follows it. Deuteronomy 29, I'm just going to highlight a few and I'm going to move forward for the sake of time. But I want, I want you to this week, go read Deuteronomy 29. That's in the Old Testament way towards the front, okay? Deuteronomy 29. But there is a blessing for obedience. And in this passage, it says, if you obey the Lord your God, that's the condition. If you obey, if you're obedient, then it gives a whole list of awesome blessings that happen. Verse 3, it says, you will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. Verse 6, you will be blessed when you come in and you'll be blessed when you go out. Verse 13, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And then if we look at verse um, 14, it says, do not turn from any of these commands I give you today, not to the right or not to the left, not following other gods and serving them. Because if we look at this passage, there is a blessing for obedience, but there is a curse for disobedience. There's the summary of chapter 23 of Deuteronomy. But if we want to live the blessed life, if we want to have the best life possible, we want to live in obedience, okay? So number one, we have a challenge, we have a choice, we have a cost, we have a call, and then we have to combat the compromises of culture. So understand this, culture is screaming what you should do, how you should live, what you should focus on. But I'll tell you what, the crazier the, crazier the world gets, the easier it should be able to recognize the Christ followers. Um, now, verse 9, you can't serve the Lord and stay in your rebellion and sin. You know, the more we spend time with Jesus, the more we should change. Um, not that church changes us, but the power of God changes us. 
Okay, so we expect that as you show up, you're like, man, I don't know what's happening in this worship, man. I was just feeling something on the inside on this song and, or through this message, there was something inside changing. We hope that, you, you know, you kind of marinate long enough in the presence of God, you walk out being a coming more like him, okay? Um, but we have to compromise all, we got we to gotta battle against culture, okay? So make up your mind, be determined to go against the popular things and do the God-focused thing, Right? Commit to not focus on the popular things, but focus on the God-focused things, okay? Um, we are going to spend some time later this year actually going through a series called Combating Culture. Like, that's something that God put in my heart. Like, we got to really, like, know what is culture trying to do, trying to download, and how can we, like, go against that? So we'll save that for a, for a series this year. It says, he is a holy God, he is a jealous God, so only the pure and, and holy that are covered by the blood of Jesus can approach him. And when he talks about that he's a jealous God, that means that he does not want you to have a divided heart. He does not want you to love the things of the world and then with whatever's left, love him. Anybody want to share your spouse? Not today, baby, not on my watch. Like, you know, undivided heart, right? It just doesn't make sense, right? You know, you got all kinds of fits of rage that would rise up from that, right? God's the same way when we talk about God being a jealous God. He will not share your heart with the world. He wants all of you. He wants all of your heart uncompromised, okay? And, you know, he even wants you to love him more than your family and your spouse and anything in this earth. You know, I mean, that's, that's where it wraps my, you know, because I think, man, more than I love my kids. Man, that's some deep love. Like, that's like, you want, you want me to put you first before them? And that's a challenge, ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you like that. But if we can do that, that's what he expects, okay? So we have to compromise those compromises. Um, understand that the Bible is the measuring stick for dis- determining what you do, not culture, okay? Um, what is normal for me and my family is going to be defined by Scripture, not by what the world says, okay? Number six, I'm gonna wrap this up. So covenant, the last part is covenant. So this is agreeing to the terms. Are you gonna agree to it? Are you gonna do it? Because we're gonna set up a monument. We're gonna set up a reminding moment for the decision you've made, right? So a, a covenant, it's an agreement between two people. It's a contract, a treaty, a pact, or it's a deal. It's agreeing to the terms. So he set up a stone of remembrance. So create a reminder for you for this day. Now, I don't know if you need to write the words down. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You sign it and you date it today's date. Don't worry about what you didn't do or shoulda, coulda, shoulda done in the past. What are you going to do from this moment forward in leading your family? It's up to you. Well, pastor, I'll think about it. If you're thinking about it, you already thought about it. You're going to flake out and wuss out. I'm just telling you, like, if you got to think about this, you ain't got enough inside and you ain't got enough stirring in your spirit of what the spirit of God is leading. You need to make up your mind. Anybody ever went into a game that was really important that you worked hard for and said, well, I hope we win or I want to lose. Like, no, (laughs) anybody ever done that? Kick you off my team. You're thinking that we've worked hard to lose, right? We want to win. Because we've worked too hard at this to lose all of it. So what are you going to do? That passage is, it says, you are witnesses against yourself. So what does this mean? There has to be a level of accountability that you hold yourself to. That means you can't wait for me to be the catalyst for your family. I can encourage you. I can rally you up. I can get you to stand to your feet. And hopefully I can stir you up a little bit to do something. But ultimately, it's your responsibility that you're gonna to have to do what you wanna do. Set up that reminder, set up that thing that will, that will remind you of the commitment you made. You know, I think, uh, I don't know who came up with wedding bands. It's a good idea. Because the wedding band isn't the marriage, but it reminds me of the decision made. The other thing it reminds me of is the times that I have fallen short of what I committed to. We've all done it. Fallen short, disappointed our spouse, fell short, but hey, guess what? That's part of marriage. But it reminds me to go back to what I committed to. Before God, before witnesses, the agreement I made with my spouse and hold to those terms. Can you stand up with me? Will you today rise to this charge 
because it says he took a large stone and he set it under the oak tree. And this stone will be a witness or a reminder of your decision made. So we each have to come to the place of accepting the challenge, the choice, the cost, the call to combat culture and finally the covenant that we have with God if we're gonna lead our families well. Here's how I want us to conclude with this. This is not a choice to be made lightly. This doesn't have to do with your parents. It doesn't have to do with your spouse. It doesn't have to do with anybody in the room. This is personal today. Like this ain't even, hey baby, if you'll do it, I'll do it. This ain't, this ain't, that's not what it's about. Will you commit to lead your family? So since you're already standing, I can't make you stand to make that decision. That was my thoughts. Should have done that, I messed it up. Some of you are like, yeah, you should have done that. It'd been way easier. Because now what are you gonna make me do, right? <laughs> if you will make that personal commitment to lead your family with all that you are this year, I want you to come out of your seat and I want you to come front. I want you just to move from where you're at, if, if that's you. If not, stay right where you're at. Man, don't be looking left and right, talking, waiting for your spouse to move. I want you to take some type of radical move. Hey, if you're super nervous, just step into the aisle for me. I know some of y'all are freaking out and you're like, oh my God, I've got to go up there. I never go up there. Come on. You know, this isn't a commitment to me. This isn't a commitment to this church. This is a commitment to God. Now, if you never come front, you say, oh man, this is remembrance enough because I never come up front, Pastor. I'm going to remember it because it's going to mortify me the rest of my life, right? You know, like <laughs> the moment I got out of my seat. But it's more than that. Will you individually choose to lead your family with the best of your God-given ability? When you don't know what to do, you'll humble yourself before God and say, Lord, show me what to do because I'm lost without you. Man, even if on my good days, Lord, I'm a subpar husband. I'm a subpar father. I need your grace and your mercy to show me what to do. But I'm gonna let your response speak for itself. And I want each of you to close your eyes. Don't look at me. This is your commitment to the Lord. This is what changes the outcome of this year is making a commitment to lead your family. Who cares what ministry you have? Who cares what job you have? The biggest priority you have of that, that's required of you is to lead your family. Who cares if we get promotions and we make all the money in the world, but we fail with our families? The family is the most important and the most, I guess it would be the area that we have to win in. But Father, you know each person's heart. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing and what you're gonna do in the realm of our families this year. Father, I pray that when the world begins to see what you are doing in and through our families, that Father, we would point them back to you. Lord, I thank you for all of the grace, all of the wisdom, all of the patience, all of the, just the commanded blessing as we move in obedience to lead our families. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would be personally accountable to you. And Father, that we would go back often and we would remind ourselves of that commitment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, that, that big stone, do you know that they set it up near the place of worship? On purpose. You know why? Because they had to pass by it all of the time. And I mean, you could go like this, ignore the stone, ignore the stone, ignore the stone, and walk right by it. 
Or you could remember the commitment you made and say, ooh, man, thank you, Lord, for your grace, man. I've been doing a good job. And pat yourself on the back when you're doing good. Don't beat yourself up all the time. But if that stone needs to kick you in the pants and move you along throughout the year as a remembrance of what you committed to, let it do that. Because all great things in life require some type of sacrifice. I'll tell you what, if we invest in our families like we never have, it's going to be the greatest year ever. Who cares about anything else? How many of y'all want that? I want that. Yes, sir. As we stand here, God just showed me that the Holy Ghost is walking all through this. He stops at every face and he looks. He says, I see you. I see you standing here. I see your heart. I see you commit. And I love you for it. But I'm going to watch you going forward to be sure that you do what your heart says you did. of the blessing over our families because you know this song it's always real hard for me to like worship to it because it's not really it's not really like I'm singing it to God you know what this song is it's about God singing it over me it's his voice speaking out singing over my family and over generations to generations because only he can do that but it is his promise to us so let's just agree with that promise And as we declare this, I'm going to dismiss you. And that blessing and that favor and that goodness would go with you from this place. Amen. dismiss you with that promise and then that song responds with the word amen you know what that means we're all in agreement that I agree with you and you agree with me and we agree with the Lord that it would be done so you guys be blessed may you go change your families this year as we experience the best year yet if you want to linger you're free to linger and hang out but you guys are dismissed we love you be blessed thank you you for joining us today we hope you've been encouraged and empowered If you'd like to know more about our family, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash HTC Bay City or find us on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.